Before I opened my eyes on this first day of spring, I heard outside our cold bedroom window, which we always leave ajar, the return of the wild geese high above our house. We are on their flight path halfway between the river and the farm, and I ran there as soon as I could and found a few dozen geese wading through grassy puddles, nosing around for tender little things, wandering through rows of stubby fields in search of remnants of last year's corn. They were parading in pairs, much like the women who exercise and visit here with friends, marching up and down the farm's long paths, excited to see each other, chattering, leaning in, trading news at the end of winter. The geese will rest here for a while, joined soon by much larger flocks, all on their long flight north. Rowdy crows were gathering, too, to gossip, meeting by the dozens, glossy ornaments on still bare trees. I have been to a few places in my life where cultures intersect, creating great richness. Think of Tarisak, a village at the tip of one of the world's longest south-flowing fjords, at the confluence of the Saguenay and the St. Lawrence River, where cold, fresh water from the north and warm, salty water mix and mingle. The meeting spot creates the conditions to support a rich, diverse marine life, including krill, tiny, shrimp-like sea creatures that account for a remarkably large share of the Earth's biomass yet hold their place near the bottom of the food chain. Small food to many. To escape hungry predators, krill migrate daily, vertically, in huge swarms that can be seen from outer space. But despite their brave efforts to survive, they end as fodder, eaten in the depths at daytime and near the water's surface in the night. Its main feeders are whales, beluga, blue, fin, and humpback, those heavy bodies whose powerful leaps, in turn, account for the many tourists who flock here every summer from across the world. Tukwa is an Algonquin word meaning meeting place. It's also the name of my old high school. The Algonquin people of the Gatineau and the Iroquois of the St. Lawrence traveled to meet each other near this site many, many years before, in celebration of culture and sometimes in defiance. When I attended Tugwa, all the kids, save for my friend Charles, who lived on a farm across the county road, were bussed in every morning, and then, at the close of day, bust back home, left at the ends of long, lonely driveways. Some kids' small houses were hidden by the wilderness, private spaces that you or I might never see. We gathered at school, mostly English, Scottish, 
Irish and French, indigenous and some more recent immigrants like me. Sure, we were big on celebrations, had fun on Friday nights, but most of us were not that interested in diversity, in learning about the intersection, the convergence of histories and possibilities. Learning and unlearning, sharing ideas, agreements and disagreements will sometimes thrive in gatherings, in the fluid movement of unending conversations, in the rhythm created by thoughtful, silent pauses. But for more than a year now, we have been living darkly mirrored, reading the same news, flicking through the same menus, Netflix, Amazon, and Uber Eats. And while we generally plod in the same forward-facing direction, we are traveling along separate, separated tracks, never touching, barely meeting one another's gaze, in a virtual world at best. Sometimes it feels as though we've become detached, are living outside ourselves in an imaginary world, a parallel universe, in a life we might have lived, should have lived, could have lived. And I wonder, as we sleepwalk through this dream world, have we become shadows of ourselves? Are we living a half-life while we hold our breath and wait? And which of the two is the unreal, the shadow life, the one we trudge through every day, or the one we wistfully follow in our imagination along its unending paths and possibilities, sometimes from a distance, and sometimes we might almost feel its pulse. And hey, surely this isn't the only time you've ever pined for a different life. In your past, might you once or twice have taken a path half-heartedly, not quite there and not quite here. The depth below our shallow surface approach to life waits for us, to quote David White, like an invitation or a reproach, like an ocean seen from a cliff above. Like whale-fearing krill, does our lack of depth suggest a fear? Fear of what? Though remember, skimming the surface holds its own dangers. While it may seem to keep us safe, we diverge further and further away from ourselves. Detached, watching, waiting, avoiding whales. But here's another more hopeful perspective sending us perhaps the invitation. In the human imagination, explains White again, a parallel world is one that turns and flows through many possibilities, all the while keeping company and somehow referencing the one it shadows. Perhaps then our alter life, the one we imagine, the one we wonder about, is not completely detached from us, is not a phantom limb. Our two or three or four lives intersect in our minds and hearts, 
grow in conversation with each other, enriching, sometimes emboldened and sometimes chasing the other. Many voices, possibilities, and ideas gather, and in that meeting place, at the confluence of our imagination and an always temporary reality, we feed ourselves like geese after a long winter, like krill in the swirl of sweet and salt.